0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Feeling Seen, the podcast that talks about the movies that make us feel seen. This episode, I am very excited to report that I will be speaking with action legend, foundational superhero icon, Michael Jai White, my first favorite superhero. Um, I'm sure he hears about it all the time. It was the first superhero I had a poster of on my wall in my room um, back when he was the titular character in Spawn. He is a unbelievably accomplished martial artist. He is an actor. He is a director. He is a screenwriter. He has done it all at one point or another over the course of his prolific decades-long career. You may know him, like I said, from Spawn, or perhaps from Black Dynamite, or maybe Why Did I Get Married, the Tyler Perry film. And I think we can even spot him in Insecure in those True North insets. Uh, We're going to touch a little later on in the conversation about Michael's deftness with comedy when it folds into his screen appearance as a man who is known for his stoicism, a man who is known for his action. But right now, we are going to get into his upcoming film with him, The Commando. Michael Jai White, is there anything else you would like to know before we get started and before we dig in to a little bit of character talk with you.
1: <laughs> I think you covered quite a bit.
0: <laughs> well, I think it's important to, I think it's important for people to know the breadth of what you have done in your career. There, your your litany of credits is so expansive. And you do comedy, you do action, you do drama, we've we've seen it all from you. And so I want to make sure that we're letting the people know. Like there's there's a lot of material that you can draw from throughout the course of your extensive filmography. thank you. Well, okay. so today we're going to talk about a sort of like a collection of characters that you Mm -hmm. found yourself in that that you felt resonated with you watching them um, growing up at various points. And a couple of ones that you cited were like the works of Jim Brown. You mentioned Pumping Iron with with um, obviously Arnold Schwarzenegger. And you mentioned uh, a TV movie called Rich Man, Poor Man. And yeah. I want to I want to know who specifically in Rich Man, Poor Man was it that you were like, you know what, that guy, that guy's hidden a chord with me.
1: Well, I, I saw Rich Man, Poor Man and a man named William Smith, mm-hmm. the, the first Will Smith. <laughs> uh, if you will. He played he, he played, uh, he played a, a character called Falconetti mm-hmm. in, in the, the miniseries. And um, he was a bad guy, actually. I love. But that. it was something. It was something about his his charisma and and, and how tough he was and mm-hmm. his build and and you know look of the guy that made me say, I like that. I want to be like that. Uh-huh. And, um, and and for he was he was my favorite character. I was to me it was the Falconetti show. <laughs> you know? And then then I kind of found out that the guy was a Navy SEAL and he he was just he just had badass. Just mm-hmm. he just reeked of badass. And I would see him in westerns and everything else found out he was a Navy SEAL. He was he spoke like five or six languages and I was like I knew there was something more to that dude. You know? <laughs> that's yeah, a really it,
0: that's a really interesting thing about like the job that you do and you know in presenting a character, like the ones that really leap off the screen, those ones that really stick with you, you can just feel that, that that there's something more going on with that person than than everyone else around them. It's a fascinating kind of just like unplaceable charisma, but it's true. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, it's, and I don't know what drew me to them, like Jim Brown mm-hmm. and Fred Williamson, people like that. I said, you know, I want to be like that. Yeah. And, you know, to, to grow up to... <laughs> actually befriend people like this and you know and and Jim Brown for a while he was like my surrogate dad when we we played chess we when I finished Black Dynamite the first person I showed that movie to was Jim Brown in his basement he and I together wow. and and I got his 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 stamp of approval it was like getting the stamp of approval for my my own father yeah but, but it was something about Jim Brown when I learned when when he was playing football mm-hmm. He he did a thing to where he, when he would be tackled, he'd get up slowly, like as if he were injured. Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. He played a psychological game with everyone. And so, you know, you think he's injured, and next snap of the ball, he runs over somebody again. He just kept <laughs> doing it. And 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 it was a thing of him fusing physicality with uh intelligence. Jim Brown was like, was my hero growing mm-hmm. up because him being a civil rights activist and, and just, you know, using his, his power to make things right. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he had his, you know, his issues, Uh, you know, he, he wasn't squeaky clean, but he, you know, he, he represented himself honestly and, and Mm powerfully. I grew up wanting to be like that. And eventually our paths did cross and I ended up, you know, working with him. He had a, a platform called AmeriCan, which which um, I joined to help people that were coming out of the prisons, and you know this mm. big reentry program, and and this thing that helped out a lot of people from the inner city uh, with job skills and life skills mm-hmm. that he that he was behind. But yeah, I mean, I saw myself in the movies that he did, uh, and the one other person was. It was when I saw Pumping Iron for the first time, and mm-hmm. I saw Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, yeah. And his confidence just leapt off the screen, and so that was another person I identified with. And so mm-hmm. I, I think these 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 images of powerful, strong men who were who were bright and they had they were beyond their phys- physicality just leapt out to me. And and um, I said, you know, I think they. I wanted to be like them
0: now. And how old were you when you started encountering Jim Brown's work?
1: Oh, I must've been 12. I mean, uh, Mm -hmm. like watching him on screen. Yeah. I would see slaughter and some of the early movies he did hundred rifles. And one of my favorites was three, the hard way.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. I watched that recently for the first time. Oh yeah, (laughs) that was. I mean, there's just it's amazing the cool that carries over from a movie like that. It's like this is, this is timeless. This doesn't matter what's trendy. This doesn't matter what the zeitgeist is. This just you just feel it. You feel the characters in your bones.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. You know, Jim Jim Brown. I mean, man, that was my dad in in my mind. You know, (laughs) before I ever met him. I'm like, that's how. That's what I wanted to be like. And so even with um. Eventually, when I did Black Dynamite, that's who I drew from more than anything.
0: Mm-hmm. And you were a screenwriter on Black Dynamite as well.
1: Yeah, I wrote the movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah you, you, that was you pulling, pulling multiple duties on that one. And mm-hmm. now I wonder, like, being a character who sort of, whose job it is to, like, oft, so often being characters whose job it is to sort of evoke, like, that similar sort of response in people. Like, they're, mm-hmm. you know, when we see Michael Jai White come across the screen like there's we have that kind of reflexive reaction to be like this guy can handle shit like mm. I just I just know when this guy shows up in this situation that, that this is someone who who can handle whatever is put in front of him and I wonder what you know with the through lines of, of someone like William Smith and then with someone like the characters you know seeing so often in, in Jim Brown and then even Arnold and Pumping Iron what do you find like as you've grown through you know your career and and what is that sort of cell of something that undergirds that 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 power that you saw is it confident like obviously these are physically large men mm-hmm. but like is it a confidence is it is it a certainty in oneself like what do you think it is that is is really like the interior architecture of that Feeling that you were getting from them, and that you are sort of responsible for conveying to us as viewers too. Like, where do you build that from with your characters? Well,
1: I I think what it is is that you see yourselves in that that person. Even Mm. even when I was younger, I didn't know I had uh, those abilities. Of course, I don't. You know, it's like the chicken (laughs) versus the egg thing. Totally. But but what was it? Something that was was inside of me that I see represented. Yeah. Or it, it, did that inform how I was going to be, you know, uh, it could be a little bit of both. But but yeah, I, I was quite um, I was you know, I had the certain leadership abilities and qualities since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess that's why I kind of identified with them to some degree as well. And I always wanted to, you know, I, even as a fighter, I always was a cerebral Type type mm. of uh, martial arts or fi- fighter, and you know I I thought the chess game was the fascinating part of it, and to have the physicality was subsequent to that, you know. And I, I think that's really how you know where I stand now. is the same thing, and people look at the the shell I and mean, they they look at the outside, but it's a representative of what's gone on in the inside, not right. the other way yeah. around. Some people. You know, they try to build the shell first to yeah. compensate for what's not inside. Mm-hmm. But what, you know, the heart and the drive that you have that you, you know, you're driving from inside sometimes, you know, that informs what everyone is actually seeing. And with, with, the, with those people, I think that's what I saw. I saw something deeper with them. They weren't just brutes. They were, they were right. to me, really unusually balanced human beings.
0: Mm, okay, that's really interesting. You're the first person to bring up like an antagonist character that we've mm. had on this show. So I, what I, I want to get into that idea of that balance and the like, kind of the range of identifying with the the baddie in the in the case of like rich man poor man with with William Smith. Was that a part of it at at all? Like, was there something about like. Because the the villains are always the ones that get to play with the most charisma, like to be Mm. a true to be a truly transcendent villain, you had to have more charisma than you. That's the hard job of the hero is to Mm. out charisma. The villain that everybody kind of feels like, I don't know, I'm kind of with this guy's deal. Like, I get why people are following him on his agenda of world domination or breaking into someone's home and holding their family hostage and stealing all the money on the floorboards. Like in the commando, you've got to believe that the people marshalling the bad guys is worth following. So what was it about a a heel character like William Smith's in Rich Man, Poor Man that like was was the badness kind of a part of it? Or was that just something that was ancillary to the fact that he had so much more going for him in this
1: in this role? It, it was it was him. It was the okay. confidence em, emulating from him. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, he's it was like. That guy could say a few words, and I'm like that's a badass that <laughs> yeah. I don't know what caused him to be that, but I want to find out you know you know, and I was quite young when this came out, you know, and you know I didn't know it, was it an acting thing or whatever, but yeah. i just I just that I that is the first person that I could recall that transcended the screen that I saw i said. Whatever he, that, that's something I identify with. The it was, it was first one was William Smith, and I got to meet him like at, a, at a, a comic book, like a signing thing. And I couldn't really express to him, like, I'm sure he was like, "Yeah, okay, kid." You know, or, or whatever. You know but, but it's like, man, like, when I got to meet him, like, I didn't know he was going to be there, and then, you know, it was kind of kind of, I don't know, bittersweet, but you know, not many people. Words around him. And, you know, it was just me. I I think I just annoyed him for about, you know, 10, 15 minutes, just (laughs) gushing about like what he meant to me. And he's like, yeah, okay. (laughs) 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 You know, he was in his 70s, you know, at the time. Like, you know, I'm sure he's, you know, and it's probably going to happen to me too. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be signing, like, there'll be like a few spawn photos and I'll be like 80 something and it'll be one person that comes up and says, I remember you. Yep. Like, walking yeah, walking up okay. saying
0: you were the first, you were my first favorite superhero, Michael Jai White, <laughs> which I appreciate you graciously fielding um, at, yeah. at the start of this, of course. Um, and, and another, another thing about that aspect of balance too, to respond to like that power and charisma at an early age, you're like, oh, this, this guy just feels like a badass. And then to grow into a career where like you are, you become an archetypal badass yourself and you, and you along the way you meet. Heroes of yours and you meet icons and inspirations, what where did that awareness of the balance start with you? Like did you did you always kind of have a keen sense of it when you started getting into to martial arts perhaps or, or into your screen career? Or was that something that you had to develop over time? You're like, you know what, now I finally realize what the sort of trick is to this. Like all these years in, i I know what the trick is and it's this balance.
1: You know, it's weird. I I, I had this these weird uh, I don't know, like Eccentricities are or, are or mm. like maybe I don't know. if You call it superstitions, but I always thought everything had to be balanced. Okay, like, this is the first time I, I'm ever even going to say this. It was like really strange. But if I walked up a staircase starting with my left foot, I'd have uh-huh. to end with my right foot. Okay, and sometimes I would go back and re-step. Like it was, it was and if I scrape my left shoe, I have to scrape my right shoe. This is a weird. It was a weird thing that follow me. It was like this OCD thing I had, but it's, it's like, I felt like everything had to be a balance. Right. Mm. And so growing up and then being into this industry, thinking that I service my fan base by just being as honest and balanced as I possibly can. I service my family by being as honest and balanced as I can warts and all. I feel, I, I feel like, okay, then I don't have to, the, arduous task of working too hard because I'm already that, you know, I behave as, I mean, if I go into a movie like, you know, the movie I'm promoting now, like Commando, not much work has to be done because I don't really think that's much different than who I am. Like, and, and I believe that. When I was a kid and I looked into the eyes of those people, there was an integrity
0: that mm-hmm. was there. I
1: think there was an integrity in, in old Hollywood, the Clint Eastwoods and, and the, all these people who, like, pretty much were very close to who they were. And so it didn't take a lot to believe them because... Mm-hmm. Yeah, Clint Eastwood, I know, would go upside your head if you said the wrong thing. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. You know, what I mean? so, so,
0: you know you're going to get smacked by Jim Brown. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There's, a, there's an
1: honesty there. And I'm going, hey, hey, if, I, if I'm if i the person, uh, you know, that I'm, you know, I'm not pretending to be someone I'm not in, in a lot mm-hmm. of these situations. No, I would risk my life to save someone who was innocent. That's mm-hmm. just that's who I actually am. I've, I've watched you know, some
0: interviews with you where you really talked about having a very, like, almost overwhelmingly strong sort of sense of justice in that way.
1: I do. That's why I was, you know, I was almost a cop several times over. Mm-hmm. Even as an actor, I was, you know, I was in line to, you know, to be a reserve cop because I felt mm-hmm. deep in my DNA mm-hmm. that that's who I that's who I am. I'm someone who believes in justice and 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 right and. Even though I thought maybe you know I'm a little bit you know m- too much of a Boy Scout or whatever this industry, <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, I stuck with my guns. I never made a bullshit friendship. I never. I don't lie to anyone. You know, I I so don't have to work anything I'm like yeah. like you know earlier the like work is someone, in
0: here the work is the interiority
1: yeah I mean it's it's a real comfortable place to be when you know sometimes in the interviews if you if you want to you know if you don't want to answer this question or if you want to stay away from this just let me know I'm always like what do I have to hide <laughs> so, I, so that that's kind of like and so with my my work I feel like it's never been anything uh, like uh seduction to cheat on mm-hmm. something or, you know, I, I work out, I, I get a chance to like, and people say, Oh, I, is it hard? You know, training and like, I'm supposed to
0: right, kids yeah. look
1: up to me, you know, yeah. I'm not going to, you know, you know, short change that. I mean, I, this is, I fought hard to be here mm-hmm. and the reason I'm happy is because I know I deserve it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I worked hard, and and I continue to work hard. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's it's you know me training to do what I what I was born to do is is a right. Not I don't consider very much being hard. Mm-hmm. You, know, <laughs> you know, like really, I'm playing make believe, and mm-hmm. so um, yeah, it's a great job. But you know, if I wasn't doing a little bit more with my status it wouldn't make sense to me. So I mean, right. I do a lot of things on my own to, to try to, you know, leave the planet in a better place than I found it. Mm-hmm. And that's just what I'm supposed to do, you know? And so to be able to entertain folks and, to, and be able to do things that I think matter and pick movies that actually not only entertain, but has something to, to offer, you know, plant a seed here and there in, in mm-hmm. this movie, you know, There's a lot of people who are these unsung heroes who are, you know, who are struggling with PTSD and Mm -hmm. and all of that. And these people are your neighbors, you know, Mm -hmm. and to make you, you know, recognize that in my African-American community Mm -hmm. where, you know, we don't grow up with that, that kind of um, that ethic of uh, going to help, you know, going to find help for, you know, me being the big tough guy. Going out to, you know, in the movie to get help. Yeah. Maybe that'll encourage other people to do the same thing.
0: All right. We are going to take a quick break, but we have got so much more to get into with Michael Jai White. Stay with us. I'm Lisa Hanawalt. And I'm Emily Heller. Nine years ago, we started a podcast to try and learn something new every episode. Things have gone a little off the rails since then. <laughs> Tune in to hear about... Low-stakes neighborhood
1: drama. Gardening. The sordid, nasty underbelly of the horse-girl lifestyle. Hot sauce. Addiction to TV and sweaty takes on celebrity culture. And the weirdest,
0: grossest stuff you can find on wikipedia.org. We'll read all of it, no matter how gross. <laughs> There's something for everyone on our podcast, Baby G. Geniuses, Hosted by us, two horny adult idiots. Hang out with us as we try and fail to retain any knowledge at all. Every other week on Maximum Fun.
1: A man was walking along a beach which represented his life.
0: At his feet were two sets of footprints, his and God's. But looking back down the beach, the man could see that in the hardest parts of his life, there was only one set of footprints. So the man said to God, Why is there only one set of footprints when times were hard? Where were you? And God replied, My precious child, I was in my car, listening to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast. The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is a multi-award winning comedy podcast, and you can find it at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Feeling Seen. I'm your host, Jordan Cruciola. My co-host this week is Michael Jai White. He has played Spawn in the original live-action adaptation of the comic book Spawn. He starred in Black Dynamite, Exit Wounds, The Dark Knight. Let's get back to that conversation. He's got so much to say. No more delay. One of the reasons that I'm so enamored of action cinema and that I'm such a genre film fan is... I'm a big fan of like like the consideration of sort of like the historical arc of the action heroine. And as far as I've like sort of assessed the modern action heroine exists born out of black exploitation films, like mm-hmm. actresses like Pam Greer movies like coffee, like these are, this is the modern, this is the archetype that starts to define the action heroine as she will go on to exist till the present. And has obviously changed and, you know, evolved over the decades, but it, And then for you to make a movie like Black Dynamite and to come to know Jim Brown and then to respond to his movies and to be able to take the roots back to such an incredible strain of just female representation on screen to its roots in black exploitation films and black genre films of the 1970s, like, it kind of begins there. And so for you to talk about, like, you know, for you to say, like, you're the African-American community as well, like, for you to grow up so immediately responding to these characters representing a strain of power and confidence on screen... Like I that feels like it to me it's so integral to what I want to talk about on this podcast because it's like, yes, these are the things that, like you said, we're, you know, we're conditioned not to go seek help. And systems where you where others like myself, white folks, might be able to go seek help, you don't necessarily have that luxury. And so to be able to retreat into cinema and see these models of sort of power and charisma and confidence, mm-hmm. there's such an incredible weight to that and I, I i just it i find it to be the most endlessly exciting topic of conversation i'm so glad that these are the characters that you brought to talk about today
1: well yeah absolutely i mean t- that's definitely with the african american community there's so we used to call, talk about ptsd mm. <laughs> it goes it goes way back you know
0: just just about as far back you, as you can go
1: yes yeah, but yeah yeah so yeah to to be somebody who folks um follow uh, yeah, I think it's very important to, to show that, um, to, to use that as a tool, you know, to seek help and, mm-hmm. you know, cause for so long, you know, it's been ingrained in us that that's not strong. It's just the church <laughs> that's about mm-hmm. it, you know? Right. So, yeah.
0: And so with your, now with that, you know, kind of a long, like you said, a sort of long standing need in your life to have things sort of in, in balance and sort of, in proportion to one another and then having that very strong pull toward a sense of sort of like righteousness, a sense of justice, was pursuing martial arts and, and, and responding positively to that that feeling of like power and control that came off these characters you, you really identified yourself in, was martial, like you said, chicken and egg, did that lead you towards something like a martial arts, like those components of you, or did martial arts sort of hone those things in you?
1: I was lucky to go toward martial arts. And mm. I found, I found something that would guide me for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Now I got into it for other reasons. Like I was insecure and sure. I, I, I was building my arm, mm-hmm. but along the way, that shell working on that yeah, outside yeah, shell. Yeah. Along the way in being a sensitive kid who wanted to, you know, protect my fragile heart, my, my heart of an artist uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. that I didn't realize this, but I, you know, I wanted to combat those things that, 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 you know, threatened it. Mm-hmm. But, um, and then I became this, you know, fighter and th- this, you know, kind of monolith in a way, mm-hmm. uh, and for a while I was being, uh, being celebrated for how tough I was and everything else And, the, and my instructors fell into that as well. Oh yeah. He's, mm-hmm. you know, because being a male dominated society, you know we started putting all this you know attention toward the pugilist but missing the the biggest message of martial arts which is overcoming obstacles mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and our biggest obstacle to overcome is ourselves right mm-hmm. so for a while even though my instructors kind of celebrated me as a fighter i was being less of a martial artist because that was only one component of the martial arts right It's kind of like like with religion, you can be taught the right things to do, but Mm -hmm. the people who are in charge, they may, you know, justify anything they want in their their brains to do whatever that, you know, that reptilian brain of theirs might have. But it's the doctrine that should supersede everything else. So it was like the doctrine of martial arts, being Mm -hmm. a balanced human being. Not mm-hmm. just being the tough guy, that's the, that's the benefit of martial arts, mm-hmm. not the fighting. It's about the the person you know you you get galvanized to become that will <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that, that spirit, that will that says, "You know, I can do what I put my mind to." And dare I say, the martial arts is the closest thing to becoming a superhero. <laughs> That, that I know. <laughs> oh
0: my of. God, I would not. I would not argue. Right. I would not you know, argue.
1: But th- that's if you you really focus on what it's supposed to be, which is supposed mm-hmm. to you. supposed to create a a balanced human being, you know, not just a fighter and a badass. You know? Well, I think
0: that's. I mean, it, you know, the superhero when you, the superhero you played in, in Spawn. That is that movie is so apart from the kinds of. It, it's sort of like the dark DC. Universe sort of seems to reach for the darkness of what Spawn was in the 1990s. And your character is just so riddled with moral dilemma that entire movie. Like, the struggle of Spawn is not a physical one, despite him being a magnificent physical specimen. It is like this battle between his soul and hell and losing people he loves. Right. Well, and when, so when did you, when did the, as you mentioned, like the, the heart of an artist and the sensitive side of you, like when did the heart of an artist start pulling at you to like lead to, was that what led to screen career? Was that like, well, I have to exercise this and this is the medium that I want to do it in.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, it was like, I was faced with reality. Like later on, I mean, when I look back, I call it like my rosebud moment from, um, <laughs> you know, Citizen Kane. Basically, yeah. Like I, it, it in third and fourth grade, I was doing puppet shows for the class. That I create the puppets <laughs> and I and I and I'd um create the whole, you know, the whole show and did the voices and everything. Mm-hmm. When I was ten, I was shooting my own little uh, Super oh, wow. Eight movies, and I was doing this like naturally. Uh huh. And um you know, when I was a teenager, I you know, I, I was doing these things and I was creating these these narratives. Now, you know, I get older and I think, oh, I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be a computer science. I got to do the things that make sense, you know, mm-hmm. right brain fighting left brain. Yeah. And so um, I'm thinking, oh, okay, you know, going to law, going to things that make sense. But, oh, but you know what? While I'm in college, I'm going to, I'm going to do these acting classes because Mm -hmm. at least I'll have fun doing that, Mm -hmm. not realizing, dude, that's what you're supposed to be doing. You know I mean? I, I I get out of school, I become a, a a school teacher. I was a special ed teacher, Mm -hmm. but then, you know, I'm going to go audition for these, (laughs) these roles in New York on my time off. It's like to where it's like reality, like hit me in the face going, Dude, man, you're always finding time to to do this other stuff that's really in your heart. Mm -hmm. But never realizing because I hadn't met really any actors in my Mm -hmm. life. But these things were, you know, it just led me to my truth. And I realized I have to get this out of my system. I have to have to, you know, look over here, even though it doesn't seem to make logical sense. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. That's like it's, that's like betting your life on the lottery in, in, in my, <laughs> my mind. And I, in a, and since I wasn't the guy with the purple hair and that was saying, please pay attention to me all the time, like a lot of the actors I you know encountered. I thought I don't have what it takes to become an actor. No, I actually I had more than what it takes because it was about that balance, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that, that's when. And realistically, you know, when when I started going out for things and realizing that my perspective was not that far off and Mm -hmm. that I did have talent in this industry that I said, oh, man, I'm so glad I I ended up, you know, following my my heart. Mm hmm. Yeah.
0: And and then and then it was in it was in 1995 that the HBO film Tyson came out and you played Mm -hmm. Mike Tyson in that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, with these Jim Brown is like a transcendent, like larger than life figure like Jim Mm -hmm. Brown. The, the, the football player, the screen, the, the screen celebrity, the the legacy, like he's, he's one of those things that just sort of spans so many conversations that he's, he, he can't be sort of categorized in one box. And he's, and then you have Mike Tyson, who was a phenomenon. Like you have mm. this, and there's a, there's a conversation in the beginning of that movie. I was, I was just watching it again, where that's like, you know, and I was watching an interview uh, that you had given where you're talking about, um, it's with, um, Vlad TV, and you were talking about, you guys were talking about how, like, there hasn't been, like, a a main event heavyweight fighter in so long. Like, not one of those ones where the culture sort of stops and Mm -hmm. reorients itself around this figure that, like, even boxing, not necessarily everybody's tuning into a match, but you know who Mike Tyson is. You, You know who Joe Frazier is kind of thing. And so I was 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 Tyson kind of any kind of turning point for you being in that because he seems to sort of there's some there seems to be a through line in sort of the figure of Mike Tyson to these sort of powerful, incredibly charismatic, complicated figures that you were really drawn to when you were watching movies when you were young.
1: Yeah, I mean Mike Tyson. I mean that that was a major um, launching point for my career, of course. Mm -hmm. It was a, r- a rare situation because here, here I'm playing somebody who's the same age as me, basically. Right. Yeah. Which yeah. Which which never happens. Usually, you're playing somebody old or dead. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, if I had gotten it wrong, it would be in front of everybody. And so the fact that um, that uh, that was critically acclaimed and and some of Tyson's friends himself, you know, uh, you know, came to me like m- still to the, my my greatest uh compliment mm-hmm. uh came from eddie murphy mm, who was a good friend of mike tyson who admitted to me on the set of uh, nutty professor he, he said man i wanted to hate that movie because um, uh, mike is a, a good friend of mine but when i saw it i thought this guy was great he, and wow I, that was the most bizarre moment because um so, yeah. And not to get too deep in it, but a, a buddy of mine who was a the storyboard artist um, brought me to that set. He was a storyboard art, artist on that set. And he didn't warn me that Eddie Murphy was in a fat suit. And so. <laughs> OK. All I Wait, know. So do this, you have
0: this conversation with Eddie Murphy while he was dressed as one? Yes, of the Yes. Yes. <laughs> I had no
1: idea. I had no idea oh I was talking God. to Eddie Murphy. There's some fat guys talking to me. And it's saying that you know he he wanted to dislike my um, my portrayal of Mike Tyson because he was a friend of his, <laughs> but he shook my hand and I felt the foam. <laughs> <laughs> you know because the the fat hand was foamy, and I'm yeah. like, okay, what what? And I realized the voice coming out of the fat guy what was Eddie near, What
0: circus funhouse am I in right now? And
1: then my friend didn't even didn't even uh, because it was sworn to secrecy. So right. I have, you know this is a year before the movie comes out. Yeah. Really. Yeah. But yeah, so when I got that, he still to this day is the greatest compliment of my work. Because if somebody doesn't want to like you and likes uh-huh. you, that's got to be the best, you know. <laughs> yeah,
0: that does. You really want him over. You really want him over on that yeah, one.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm 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 glad I didn't. You know, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't like look away going. Who's this? You know, who's this? Yeah, guy?
0: like who's
1: this, who's <laughs> yeah. this? Just random <laughs>
0: telling like thank you, yeah. like. I'm glad I won you over, sir, yeah, yeah. anonymous, sir. Right. Um, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm coming down to the to the end of my time with you. So I I guess the question I kind of wanted to wrap up with was like you talking about how, you know, you feel like you like, you know what? I, I I work hard enough in all these other avenues to where the work itself of like of the job doesn't feel hard because like you feel like the work you do is really representative of yourself. And it sounds like, you know, your efforts to to work at sort of balance and perspective, like, prepare you into the where, like, the work is kind of done by the time you get there, and then you can execute. And so I wondered, like, you know, is uh, among your many roles, do you feel, do you feel like one has most specifically sort of captured Michael Jai White, even knowing that your roles tend to like truthfully, honestly reflect you. Is there one where you're like this one really particularly, they might as well have just called my character, Michael Jai White. Like that might as well have been literally me up on the screen.
1: That literally uh, that that's happened so few times. It was a, it was a series I did called Wonderland a long time ago mm. where I was, I played a, um, the, the attending, um, physician in and in an ER. Um, uh, mm-hmm. but you know, that was a series. Um, and uh, but honestly, there's a role that I've really played myself. And actually, when I was cast in this role, it, the base, basically Oz Scott, who's uh, one of the main directors in a, in a TV series that I just completed, the first season of, he says, "I just we just want you, we want you to be you." And uh-huh. I was like, "What a luxury! I can play exactly." It. And, and <laughs> it's a you know the series I, you know, I just I just wrapped called Kingdom Business. Where I play a character named uh, Caesar, mm-hmm. who's you know the character that they kind of constructed was based. You know they they really wanted me to play me, so <laughs> that's rare that I can play me. I've usually mm-hmm. played, you know, these kind of I don't know like um, stoic characters yeah. in, the, in the past, or you know, well, Black Dynamite was is like an amped up version, like <laughs> but 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 that's kind of closer to me in a way. Even though it's you know it seems weird, but I'm I'm a goof. I'm Uh I'm, I every movie every serious movie you've ever seen me do, believe it that before that camera rolled or after that camera roll, I was doing something silly. Okay, okay. Um, And there is a silly version of whatever that serious movie is that's probably you know on the on the outtakes. Right. Were yeah, you so, stoked
0: then to like do True North with Insecure? You were like, oh, yeah, we're going to have a good time on set. Tonight. Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, I, it's hard <laughs> for me to be. I mean, I see things in comedy. I Like I'm always okay. writing comedy in my head. Interesting. And, All right. And I, I, I actually, you know, so like with Outlaw Johnny Black, which is my new Western mm. one, that's like a follow up to Black Dynamite. That's me and my element. Really, it's about you know. I, I like to do. I'd love to do a lot more um, action comedy. Uh huh.
0: Uh huh. Okay. Um, okay.
1: Yeah. That 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 would be. I mean, it's just that I've gotten to where I've you know <laughs> to where I am. Yeah. On certain things, you know. But, yeah. But when I when I have my druthers, you see, you know, I'm doing things like black dynamite.
0: Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, you've done you've done so much in your career. I. I look forward to the comedic action future that we could get from Michael J. White because now I now that now that I know that that's all I that's that's all I want to see. <laughs> Michael, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. I so appreciate your input. I so appreciate your time, and I so appreciate you letting me know that I we all now need to work together to manifest your action comedy future going forward. Um, following the commando. Thank you so much for taking the time. It's a real honor to, to get to, after all these years, finally get to talk to you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It was great to talk to you as well. Look forward to the next time.
0: That was Michael Jai White, everybody. I said it. In the conversation, I've been wanting to talk to this man for years. I've been a fan of this man for years. He is out there on that DTV movie grind. If you say in this world that their action movies are samey now and everything looks like a candy-colored Marvel bomb, you're wrong, you're incorrect, you lack curiosity and the skill of discovery because there are movies like Michael's that you can go watch, Scott Adkins, I can pour through the list. His new movie is called... The Commando, and it's available to watch on VOD. And you can stream that pretty much anywhere online. Uh, It might be available in a theater near you. I I have not checked to confirm that, honestly. Uh, And hey, VOD in the time of COVID. Live it up. Uh, But today, before we end, I've got to talk about one quick thing before I go. And there's no peg to this, except for the fact that we find ourselves coming up again on an anniversary of sorts, which is the anniversary of... Kathy Yan's Birds of Prey re- releasing into theaters to an insufficient reception. Critically, yes. Critically, did very well. For me personally, it's the best superhero movie, but it came out right on that edge of COVID. Um, Asian markets like in China and South Korea theaters were closing because of the scare and then in the United States it didn't necessarily perform up to superhero standards and there was all this like bullshit narrative when it came out about like well if only it had been rated PG-13 then the young girls it was meant for could have all gone to the theaters and seen it that's garbage (laughs) sorry Deadpool made a billion goddamn dollars and set like release records for the month that it came out Then Deadpool 2 came out and like was pretty much a repeat of the same kind of success and no one was like you know what it could have made 2 billion though if Deadpool had been rated PG-13 <laughs> though they did go on to release a PG-13 cut just as a cash grab you know if only it had been related rated PG-13 then all the teen boys it was meant for could have had access to it like they didn't in the theaters sexist garbage birds of prey I say, like, every February, we would just make it, like, Birds of Prey Month, and everybody who knows the truth of that movie shows up again and is like, let's rent this, even if you own it, rent it again, just to prove a point. And because, you know what? I watched The Suicide Squad, the um, wonderfully fun James Gunn take on The Suicide Squad that came out, gosh, what was that, last year? It was it's so much fun. It's so good. And Harley Quinn, once again, the beating heart and soul of a Suicide Squad movie, and Margot Robbie just embodying this role so fabulously in such a madcap way. She's such a gifted physical performer. Uh, People who really watch and pay attention, they do sing her praises in the way that she deserves for being such a deft physical presence on screen. She is Known for doing like a pretty fair portion of her own stunts. She's adapt, she just adapts very well to very physical roles. She did a ton of the skating actually in I, she's just kind of, she's kind of got it like that. It's, it's a part of, it's a tool in her toolkit. And you just watched that head to toe, hairline, hairline to the bottom of her shoes. Gleeful psychopath with a heart of gold performance that Margot Robbie gives you. And it's like, you know what? Maybe Birds of Prey didn't quite do what it needed to do to get that auto green light from Warner Brothers. The Suicide Squad tumbled out of the gates strong and did dollars for the DC enterprise. So let's combine what we know, which is that the people want more Harley Quinn. They want more Margot Robbie Harley Quinn. So give us that Birds of Prey sequel. Put her back together with the Black Canary and the Huntress, and and give us give us that um, bisexual catastrophe great time action comedy that is a Harley Quinn action film. More Birds of Prey. Um, yeah, that's my completely non sequitur rant for today because I'm just so passionate about it. And I have an always renewed sense of purpose to tell you that you missed out if you didn't see it and you owe us one. So you, now you got to make it up to us. So that is it. That is the end of the show for today. You can follow us on Twitter at Pod or join our Facebook group at www facebook.com slash groups slash feeling scene pod you can also send us an email at feeling scene at maximum if you want to follow me i'm jork crew on twitter at j-o-r-c-r-u talking about yellow jackets our theme music is by andrew Epen. our senior producers are kevin ferguson and laura swisher and this is a production of maximum fun